The reality is that if you need to come to a partner to say, hey, I'm realizing I may not actually have time to give to this relationship, and so I need to change our relationship in some way, I, I think chances are high the place their brain is going to go is like, oh, this is actually an excuse because there's some other problem there. And that's something that you can address, but I think before you even have that conversation, see if that's true for yourself. Like, are you in denial? Like, is it actually I'm not that excited about this person or there's parts of this relationship that I don't really enjoy and it just happens to be that saying that it's because of time or money or stress or whatever is convenient and maybe I think that it's gonna make this person feel better when it probably won't. So so I think this is a good first filtration pass to, to put things through. Welcome to the Multi-Amory Podcast. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. We believe in looking to the future of relationships, not maintaining the status quo of the past. Whether you're monogamous, polyamorous, swinging, casually dating, or if you just do relationships differently, we see you and we're here for you. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we are diving into what happens when life's demands get in the way of love. Even solid relationships can struggle when outside stressors like busy schedules, financial woes, health issues, or other obligations limit the time and energy that you have for the relationship. So how do you cope when careers, family needs, chronic illness, or just the daily grind threaten to swamp an otherwise happy partnership? Can de-escalating the relationship temporarily help relieve the pressure? Today, we'll discuss strategies for collaborating through life's ups and downs, keeping communication strong, getting creative with quality time, and more. When life gets chaotic, is it possible to still make room for romance? Stay with us to find out. If you're interested in learning about our fundamental communication tools that we reference on this show all the time, then check out our book, Multi-Amory Essential Tools for Modern Relationships, which covers our most used communication tools for all types of relationships. You can find links to buy it at multiamory.com book or wherever fine books are sold. Or you can check out the first nine episodes of this podcast, where we also go over some of our most widely used and shared communication tools. Okay, here's a question. For, for the group, for the room. Have you ever had a relationship end not because there were emotional issues or compatibility issues or communication issues, but any other factor? I feel like time is the big one, yeah. meaning I simply don't have enough time to contribute to the relationship in the way that I want to. And I feel like that happened more when I was younger and dating a ton of people at once, even before <laughs> I, I was see. non-monogamous. So your time was taken up by other people. Yes. Sure, well, sure. So, so much so that I was like, you know what? I can't I can't add another person to this pile kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, I have had relationships end because we got into other relationships and mm. we're not polyamorous. We're not non-monogamous at the time. It was kind of this like, We've got a really good thing going on, but with the understanding that if we get into other relationships that we'll kind of de-escalate this to just a friendship if that happens. And then that did happen. And I still think very fondly about that relationship and kind of wish I 
knew then what I knew now, and maybe could have had that continue as a different type of relationship instead of thinking, oh, well, all this has to end. I mean, how did that go? I think in traditional dating parlance, I, I don't know, that, <laughs> that doesn't seem like it's a good conversation to have. No, it was actually remarkably super chill. Oh. And that was one of the things that is why I think so fondly of that relationship, because we kind of said that going into it. We both understood that. And I think also good timing wise, we both kind of met people around the same time. Okay. So yeah, it wasn't just one, you know, it, it all just kind of worked out. But also just, I don't know, from the start, it was just very chill, like good communication, understanding, but also not so enmeshed or super intertwined. And so I think that combination was just enough that that worked out to de-escalate that and then still stayed friends. And I would go see the shows that she directed or wrote or, you know, other things and still are in touch to this day. And that was, I don't even know, like 15 years ago or something now. Well, that's the thing that I think is specific to what Jason and I went through is that neither of us were particularly enmeshed with the people that maybe we ended up saying goodbye to for one reason or another. And I think if you are super enmeshed, then that becomes a question of like, well, why are we de-escalating? Or is there something more to this equation than just, well, I don't have enough time or I don't have the emotional or mental bandwidth to continue this relationship in the capacity that I'm in? If we are like, you know, spending a ton of time together and we like each other, I don't know when it's okay or when it makes the most sense to say goodbye to that relationship or de-escalate it if everything else is going okay. I had someone break up with me because I was traveling and they were just very clear that like they don't do long distance relationships. And Mm -hmm. so it wasn't that there was anything they had wrong with me or with the relationship sense. necessarily. Yep. In retrospect, I could look back on that relationship and be like, yeah, it probably wouldn't have worked out anyway because of X, Y, and Z factors. But at least at the time, I, I don't know, I was sad about that, but I wasn't necessarily really painfully hurt or wounded by it. But it also wasn't a casual relationship. It wasn't just like a casual dating relationship necessarily. I have had that happen with someone moving where it's just sort of like, we're not going to sure. do long distance, so we're just yeah. going to end this. And we know that and it's okay, even if it's sad and, and difficult. But it was, but yeah, it wasn't that like devastating betrayal or heartbreak or anything like that. Well, and I think of one of your family members, Jace, who I think I've referenced before, who went to couples counseling mm. before getting married to a person. And they discovered because one of them was going to be traveling a lot and the other didn't necessarily want that kind of lifestyle then maybe they weren't as compatible as they thought that they were previously. Yeah, I don't know. There are different things that can show maybe we aren't meant for each other in the way that we once thought we were, etc., etc. Yeah, well, the reason why I wrote this episode is because I have a couple of clients who they're facing the choice to have to either take a break from the relationship or have to de-escalate the relationship in some way due to there being a combination of school stress, you know, one of them one of them is in school right now, financial pressure, there's an income differential between the two of them, also work schedules, one of them had a work schedule increase quite dramatically and unexpectedly, mm. and then also their long distance on top of it. And 
I think there was just like so many of these factors layered on top of each other that they kind of realize like, oof, we may not be able to continue the relationship in the same way that we have because of these factors. So they reached out to me asking if there were any multi-amory episodes that I would recommend that would help with figuring out how to set expectations around making this change, timelines around making this change. And I was like, uh, nope, actually, there's not. We, we've spent a fair amount of time on the show talking about de-escalating and breaking up and, you know, when you might decide to do that or how you might transition a relationship in that way. And I have seen people in our patron groups post about these issues as well. You know, someone realizing, oh my God, I am just at my scheduled capacity and I'm realizing that something's got to give and it may be this particular relationship. And so how do I deal with that? You know, how do I deal with that in a way that isn't just like destructive to the relationship or really hurtful to the person? And so I spent a lot of time chewing on that and thinking about that. And so I just wanted to explore this particular situation about the way that life demands can sometimes get in the way of our romantic relationships. And I don't think this is something that gets discussed very often. I think because we all carry that assumption of, well, love conquers all. And so if you really love the person, you're going to find a way to make it work. Or if you really love the person, like there's no cost too high for being in the relationship. And so I, I think that this is not a subject that, at least in the mainstream, gets a lot of play. Do you get that impression also? Yeah, it's definitely not a thing that gets discussed very often. And I think this is something that can apply in any type of relationship, right? This doesn't have to be non-monogamous. Anyone could go through something like this. And I think we do naturally have kind of ups and downs in terms of how much time we have to spend together or to go on dates or whatever in longer term relationships. But it sounds like this is when it kind of crosses that threshold into a more significant change in that relationship. And maybe this is something that we're going to talk about throughout the episode, but I'm curious as to whether or not a person decides to de-escalate a relationship and then if their circumstances change, they turn to a re-escalation, potentially. Well, it sounds like that's the idea here, yeah. Is yeah. Like, how do you set it up with that hope and expectation rather than I think usually when we talk about a de-escalation we talk about it more like a permanent it's very like final yeah more of we've shifted to something else and that's just what it is until maybe we change it again in some way and, and it's interesting because just last week or the week before when we had our Q&A episode there was someone who was talking about re-escalating a relationship they had previously de-escalated but that was more because something went wrong it's like we had a problem and so we de-escalated and now it's been some time, you know, a couple of years and we're thinking about becoming more entwined again. Whereas again, that's different than this. So it's, yeah. it's so fascinating to me that there's this whole area that I think we will all experience in our long-term relationships, at least on a small scale, if not on as big a scale that, that we haven't talked about. And that's amazing. After you know, almost 450 episodes. <laughs> 450 so years props, of doing this show. <laughs> yeah. So props to your clients. I don't know who they are, but thank you to you for bringing this up and also for giving us permission to talk about this on this episode. Alrighty. Let's talk about what all of this may look like in real life in terms of questioning, like, what's going to cause a person to want to de-escalate or change how the relationship looks with the hopes of maybe changing it back at some point in time. 
So something that I talked about just recently with this is time pressure. And that can look like a change in job schedule or having a schedule of free time that doesn't really fit nicely with a partner's schedule of free time. I feel like there are those memes out there that are like, okay, I'm free on these days and a friend is free on these days and they're just the totally opposite days. And so it's like, well, it was nice knowing you. I'm never going to see you ever again. (laughs) Uh uh And if that's the case for you and your partner, yikes, that, that can be really difficult. We have a finite amount of time on this planet and we have a finite amount of time in our day and a finite amount of time in our week. And it just simply isn't always going to work out nicely with a partner. Also, something else that I've had to deal with a lot is having to piece together multiple jobs or gigs in order to make ends meet and having to favor trading one's time for money. If you're working three or four gigs at once, or you maybe have one gig that just takes up an insane amount of time, if you're a lawyer or a doctor or doing multiple podcasts or something and it just takes up a huge amount of time, then Uh yeah, then maybe you just don't have a lot of time for other things. Additionally, there may be a really rigid schedule that you're holding down. So you may have a lot of difficulty switching things around or making time for someone, shifting around commitments that could be based off of, you know, your coworkers' schedules, for example, or just In general, okay, I always have to be on or available at these hours, and that just never really works with somebody else's schedule. You also may be traveling a lot like Dedeker did at one point in her life and still does, and that may make you not able to be proximal to your partner ever or maybe only a couple times a year, for instance, and that just may not work with the type of partnership that the two of you want. You may have a huge commute schedule. I live in Los Angeles and I have got to run to a thing after this and it's going to take me over an hour just to get there. So yeah, Uh, that commute schedule may be nuts for a person in a specific part of the country or part of the world. And then also something that the three of us don't have to deal with anymore, but that we did at some point is having a really demanding school schedule that takes up both time in classes as well as study extracurriculars, you know, any homework time, all of that. If you're in, you know, a PhD program, yeah, those things come up throughout the course of our lives. Yeah, it's funny now that you've mentioned some of those out loud, I'm just realizing, yeah, actually, I have gone through some of these. If I think about my relationship with Dedeker, Mm -hmm. that when she did decide to start traveling, that was at a time where I was not able to travel as much because of my job at the time. And so, yeah, there was, I guess you could call it some kind of de-escalation or at least changing of how we did our relationship, even though it's not like we called it that or thought about it that way. But it did just practically change from seeing each other once or twice a week to not seeing each other for several months at a time and then trying to figure out when we could. So yeah, this is probably more common than I realized. Now I'm even more surprised we haven't done an episode about it before. (laughs) Well, there's always going to be something that we've missed. Thank goodness. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's why we can keep going with this show. Yep. Another category of thing that we wanted to talk about are financial pressures. So there were time pressures before, and these are financial pressures. 
So these are stressors that come about just from cost of living or student loans or medical bills that have just come up. Uh, those could be for yourself or for a child or family member. That can create this extra level of stress and also a scarcity of that resource, right, of, of money. Feeling mismatched with a partner regarding financial values or experiencing just that you can't afford to go on dates or go on trips, right? Like with Dedeker, at that time, I was able to save up and go take a trip and see her for a month somewhere else and then come back. But if I had had medical bills at that time or something, I wouldn't have been able to do that. Or if I, you know, if I just hadn't had the job I had at that time, might not have been able to do that. Uh, also, sudden loss of income or reduction in income because of changing a shift or just things scaling down or downsizing or losing a job or needing to change a job. Any sort of reason could significantly change your financial situation. Needing to support a family member, like I mentioned, for medical reasons, but also could just be, I need to support this person financially being the breadwinner for this person or helping to pay for living expenses. Both big and little people as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, these could be little people, little <laughs> children type people, or these could be parents, these could be friends, chosen family, whatever it is. Also, you could find that you have, it sounds bad to say, like competing financial goals. I would say maybe mismatched financial goals. So I, I, I would pick competing. Competing? Honestly. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh -huh. So that could be something like wanting to get out of debt or save for a house or save for a vacation or start a business. Something that is a different goal. Or it's like, it's not that I don't have money, but that I'm putting it toward this other thing that may be competing with spending money on doing dates or traveling or whatever. Or, or all those things are competing with each other. You know, sure. that it's like, yeah. I both want to get out of debt and want to save for a vacation next year. Yeah. Or I want to save for starting a business and I want to save for a down payment on a house. I mean, this is a problem I think a lot of people face financially is this like... Of course. Actually, there's a lot of places where I could put my money that isn't just about the things that I buy on a day-to-day -day basis. It's, it's literally about my bigger goals. But like, how do I pick just one goal? Yeah. Yeah. So there was a 2012 study by Dew, Britt, and Houston called Examining the Relationship Between Financial Issues and Divorce that was published in Family Relation. And they found, unsurprisingly, that financial problems in a relationship predict lower relationship quality and higher risk of breakup. Financial issues were one of the strongest predictors of relationship trouble. I feel like this is a statistic that I've heard many, many times in different places from different studies. But yeah, financial challenges are, are just a really difficult thing. And financial mismatches are a particularly challenging thing to deal with. And so I like the idea that in this episode, we can get into some ways to proactively see that and take steps to see how we can modify our relationship around it rather than letting it be the thing you never talk about until it causes a breakup, which is, I think, how most people handle money in relationships. Yeah. And we'll dive more into that later. Another area where, you know, life demands can just really cause some obstacles for being able to show up for a relationship is just having other commitments and obligations. And 
there's a very wide spectrum on this. So maybe on the more, I guess, quotidian end of the spectrum is maybe what I like to call the daily grind. And what I mean by the daily grind is like these tasks that have to happen either every day or most days, regardless of any other factor or or influence. And these may be different for different people. They may be more oppressive for different people. So some examples include things like childcare, washing dishes, securing meals, grocery shopping, doing the laundry, cleaning your house, dealing with the bills, taking care of your body, getting exercise, bathing, like all of these things that just go into just having a life where even if there's no other factor that's sapping away your energy, this still may be a lot, especially if you're caring for multiple people or caring for a family. This may take up a lot of your time and energy. And then if you're also layering in other time pressures, other financial pressures, any kind of chronic health issues that even just the daily grind can take up a lot of energy. Within that is, of course, if you're someone who has to care for children or care for elderly parents or care for partners who need help in some kind of way, that's a major responsibility. Now, specifically with the children piece, so I found this study that was published in Journal of Family Issues by Huss and Pullman Schultz. They found that Specifically, couples who are parenting together experience a drop in relationship satisfaction and also an increase in conflict behaviors after their first child is born. Now, the good news being that with subsequent children, it pretty much stays about the same. But with the first child, there's this big increase in conflict and a decrease in relationship satisfaction, which, again, is yet another thing that takes up more of your energy and time outside of even just everything that goes into caring for and feeding and cleaning a child. Other commitments include just your job. We've talked about that a little bit, but you know, having a demanding job, whether that's demands in the sense that if you're like a low-wage worker where you're constantly under time pressure and it's constantly just like go, 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 or you could be a white-collar worker who is also having a lot of responsibility and expectation piled onto them, like that definitely feeds into this. There may also be specialized job stress. So things like having a partner who serves in the military, or if you're someone who's pursuing some kind of demanding career opportunity like med school or doing a residency, that's going to sap away a lot of your energy here. And then there may also be major life changes that can pull focus away from the relationship for a period. So I think a big one that a lot of people struggle with is if someone suddenly has to do a geographic relocation, which means, oh, suddenly our relationship is long distance. And then that's going to add in all new layers of logistics and pressure to have to deal with. Related to the school thing, I think also the decision to go back to school while still keeping a job both my mom and my stepdad have done that at different times where they've, yeah, where they're still working, but they're going back to school. And that's a sudden big time commitment that they're taking on that's limited in scope, but still a few years often. So, you know, that's, that's quite a bit extra to take on and can really affect the amount of time that you have for your other commitments. Yeah, definitely. And then, of course, the one that comes up often specifically within the non-monogamous community is polysaturation, is if you have overcommitted yourself to too many other partners, to too many dates in the calendar, that is this the number one 
area where I see people kind of go awry. I don't think it's the number one area, but I, but I do think it's a common newbie mistake to just immediately hop into like 600 different relationships or set up 600 yep. different dates right away. But yeah, I, I do think someone who doesn't have a good sense of boundaries around their time and energy and like a realistic sense of how much time and energy their existing relationships take may be more likely to acquire new commitments and new obligations, often at the expense of everyone, including that new relationship. They just don't know it yet. Boy, I've done this one so much <laughs> in the past. <laughs> <laughs> Dedeker alluded to this a little bit before, but if there are any health or disability issues, that can definitely limit the amount of time or the amount of capacity that you have emotionally, physically, mentally, on other relationships. So anything like chronic illness or disability can reduce emotional time and financial capacity for a relationship. Also dealing with medical issues or unpredictable flare-ups often become just priority number one, regardless of any other commitments that you have. I know we have read of some people within our communities dealing with this and just Talking about how difficult it is to live with chronic illness, for example, on a daily basis and not really knowing whether or not you're going to have a flare up that day. And, you know, I, I can imagine that it would be really, really difficult to be able to sustain multiple relationships or even maybe even one relationship if you don't always know how you're going to feel on a daily basis. Things like mental health issues, chronic or acute, can make it difficult to show up fully and consistently for a relationship. And then also things like medication side effects. They can produce things like sleepiness or nausea, a drop in libido, irritability, etc. Especially as people are trying to tailor and figure out what medication dose works well for them. That can really be like a period of time in which they're not feeling their best or they're not feeling like they can engage in a new relationship, for example, or maybe a relationship that's not as established just because they're going through that period of kind of not really knowing how they're feeling or where they stand. We've definitely seen that there are a lot of different reasons, and you may have a combination of many of these, or even just one could be the thing that tips the scale to feel like something has to change, something needs to adjust here. And when you're trying to evaluate, how do I want to handle that? You know, How do I want to approach that? And how can I do this in a way that's working together with my partner or partners, rather than just feeling like I have to come up with a solution all on my own? We're going to go through some questions that you can ask and some things that you can do to try to do that in a way that is still including healthy communication and being caring along with it. And before we get to that, we're going to take a quick break to talk about how you can support this show. If you enjoy this content and appreciate being able to get this content every week and to share it with everyone out there for free, just take a moment, check out our sponsors. If any are interesting, go check them out and use our promo codes. That really does directly help support our show. And of course, you can support us directly by joining our community at multiamory.com slash join. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at Chabacasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Fine. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Hello, folks. We're back. So in this next section, first, we're going to take you through three questions to ask yourself before taking action or before making a decision to take a break or de-escalate the relationship. After we get through those three questions, then we're going to talk about some things to bear in mind, some things that you can do to help make this change a little bit smoother a little bit gentler and kinder, and also some specific things that you might experiment with if you're experiencing, specifically, you're not sure what to do about time pressures or financial pressures. So the first question to ask yourself is, do I want to de-escalate because of my life circumstance, or do I want to de-escalate because I just maybe don't want to be in this relationship anymore? Is this maybe just an excuse to pull away from the relationship? I think when we're looking at our life in general and when we're looking at the possibility of de-escalating or ending a relationship, we may see everything as like worse than it actually is or see our obligations or commitments as more intense than they actually are. So do a thought experiment here. Imagine that, you know, your most egregious obligation or time sink is just suddenly gone. And now if it were gone and you did have as much time as you wanted to engage in your relationship, would you still want to ask yourself that question? Like, yeah, I'd still be really excited about this relationship or maybe I actually am just not interested in being this relationship anymore. And now do the same thing if you had 50% more capacity, more time, more energy, more money, whatever it is. Would you still be excited about the relationship if you just had 50% more time? I think this is an important one because the reality is that if you need to come to a partner to say, hey, I'm realizing I may not actually have 
time to give to this relationship. And so I need to change our relationship in some way. Chances are high. The first place their brain is going to go is not believing you. I I think chances are high. The place their brain is going to go is like, oh, this is actually an excuse because there's some other problem there. And that's something that you can address. We'll talk about that later on. But I think before you even have that conversation, see if that's true for yourself. Like, are you in denial? Like, is it actually I'm not that excited about this person or there's parts of this relationship that I don't really enjoy and it just happens to be that saying that it's because of time or money or stress or whatever is convenient and maybe I think that it's going to make this person feel better when it probably won't. So so I think this is a good first filtration pass to to put things through. I've definitely done that before where it's legitimately didn't have time or energy, but also was a good excuse to not keep doing a relationship. So it's like Mm -hmm. not totally untrue. It's not like a lie or an excuse, but also, yeah. And, And so I guess if you do realize that that's the case, however you go about it, ending that relationship or pulling away from it does does make sense. And that is what you should do. And in that case, I'd say maybe you don't have to worry as much about really convincing them, no, it's just about this temporary thing. Because even if they're like, I don't know if that's really the whole answer, the result is still the same. And like, maybe that's okay, because maybe that isn't the whole answer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So just being honest with yourself, though, can at least help give you some perspective. So just to be clear, all of that that we just said was question number one. So that was like five different ways of asking yourself the same question of, is it really just this circumstance or is it this relationship? So then the second question is, is this a temporary increase in the pressures or does this seem like something that could be long lasting or permanent? And I'm going to say maybe the word permanent is not a great one to use just because everything in life is impermanent, including us and the earth and the universe and everything. So, you know, maybe permanent's the wrong word, but long term, potentially very long term versus temporary. And that might be relative, right? What what counts as long term or not? That's a little bit subjective. So something to consider. It's interesting to me to look at the question of right now in our current time of after the pandemic and just being a little bit older in my life, my capacity for more people or my capacity for wanting to engage in like a lot of social activity is diminished from maybe before the pandemic or when I was younger. So I think that that's something to think about as well, because we change throughout the course of our life. And even though we may feel as though, okay, the really intense pressure of whatever this thing is that's causing me to want to deescalate is gone, do I as a person feel like, yeah, I can incorporate this lover back into my life or these people back into my life in the same way as... Maybe before this all started, I felt like I could. So just like yet another thing to throw out there, because I feel like my capacity for all that has diminished greatly since the pandemic. And that's something we've talked about before. Yeah, I I do feel like I've seen that trend in a lot of people that just sort of their capacity and energy level for certain things is just lower than it was. But with all of this, the, the point, though, is to just get honest and evaluate, is this actually temporary? And if so... How temporary? Is this temporary like, oh, just the next month 
I have a big deadline coming up and so I've got a lot of extra stuff going on? Or is this the next four years I'm going to be working on this PhD? Or is it the next who knows how many years I need to take care of my mom who's sick or something, mm -hmm. right? Like whatever it is, getting a sense of how temporary versus how long-term can help influence the types of solutions or the types of things that you might come up with when adjusting your relationships around this. And I think that can feed back into the first question where if your example is, okay, like I need to move to a new city and like I need to have that whole process complete within two months or so. And if you imagine, okay, we fast forwarded to two months and that's done. Do I feel excited about being able to reconnect to this relationship and being able to give it more time or does it feel like, eh, I don't know about that. So also getting clear on those specific timeframes is important as well. The third question, is this a situation where it's appropriate to do a full breakup? Is it appropriate to do a de-escalation or maybe like a renegotiation of the functioning of the relationship? Or is this a let's take a break situation and then circle around back in X amount of time. Now, this question opened up like a whole tesseract of philosophical questions for me because after this section, we're going to get into some specific things that you can try in a relationship that that's sort of in the de-escalation zone of maybe spending less time, spending less energy, spending less money, or spending those resources in a different way. But then I was like, okay, but what even counts as a de-escalation, like what's a de-escalation as in, oh, like we're deciding to deprioritize this relationship versus, oh, we're just going to experiment with a different way of doing this relationship. Hmm. And, and that seems highly subjective to me that I think that if you asked a hundred people on the street, one person might think, oh, if my partner came to me and told me, actually, I can only see you once a month instead of once every week, I would consider that like a major downgrade versus someone else might be like, oh, I think if my partner and I were collaborating, then like I could get through a six months of only seeing them once a month if I knew it was going to change. Right. So, so I I guess it's just to say that I guess get clear on when you think about de-escalation, like what you actually mean by that, what that actually specifically looks like to you. Is it important to you? to make sure that the relationship maintains the same status of being maybe very emotionally entangled or very important to you or like an attachment figure to you? Or is that less important to you? Because I think that's going to influence how you decide to go about this. Am I making any sense whatsoever to the two of you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think uh, it's really tough because our relationships in general and how we view what we are to a person or what non-monogamy is, for example, or monogamy, your definition of de-escalation or breakup is going to be different from one person to another. And the language that you use also affects that. So again, to go back to the example of Dedeker traveling, right? The fact that our relationship would change was pretty obvious by just that that's something she was going to start doing and I was not doing that with her. If that had come along with her saying, so we should de-escalate our relationship for this purpose, that probably would have landed more as a, oh, you don't want to do this relationship anymore. Yeah. So it, I, I'd say it's important to just be 
aware of how that might land for your partner as well as what you mean by it so that you can then clarify and get into this and that maybe using the word de-escalation is a little intense for some people, but for others, they might go, oh yeah, no, that's, that's what this is. That makes sense. We're both on the same team about this, but just be aware of that and realize that even if the result was the same, calling it something different might make it feel very different. So what can we do about all of this? Let's talk about some tactics for figuring out how to maneuver and go through a change in a relationship due to outside circumstances like the ones that we've talked about. Guess what, everyone? We should communicate. We should communicate early what? and often. <laughs> yes, what? I know. No. Amazing. I don't that know what right. that means. <laughs> it's really important to make a shared decision to change the status or functioning of the relationship rather than just like ending it abruptly. I know that that sometimes does happen in breakups, that it's one party member saying, okay, I'm done with this. I, I don't want to do this anymore. And unilaterally deciding that the relationship is over. But ideally, if you do want to continue the relationship in some capacity, it's really important to come to a consensus together about what the relationship is going to look like. So it's important to put on your scientist pants and be intentional about a plan moving forward. So you can ask yourself, what factors will you experiment with changing in terms of time, just as Dedeker talked about, or you know, the idea of I'm only going to see this person once a month or twice a month as opposed to twice a week, for example. Or maybe I'll talk on the phone with them a couple times a week, but I will only see them once a month, for example. Also, are you going to be checking in with one another? Are you going to be discussing with that other person, I want to keep these parts of the relationship going as opposed to just like a clean break or a clean time away from one another, maybe. I know, Dedeker, you've taken breaks in your relationships. That's not something I really do, but you've had breaks in between relationships saying like, okay, we're going to come back to the relationship eventually, but we're going to take a month off or whatever from each other. I mean, I, I I can't brag that it's been extremely successful or anything. It is something I have done. Yes. Yeah. You've taken more breaks in your relationships than I have. Okay, sure. Yeah. Also, you can ask yourself, what at what point would either of you be ready to try something different with the relationship or try re-escalating? If you find like, okay, I'm having a really intense six-month period of my PhD program. And, you know, once that's done, I feel like I could put more into this relationship than be upfront about that. And again, if it really truly is about life circumstances, offer reassurance to your partner that this is external. These are external factors that we're working out rather than fundamental flaws within the relationship. I think, like Jace said, that's really important to be able to use specific language about the reason behind why you're making this decision. <laughs> yeah, it's something that I would just throw out there as a little piece of advice that I've learned myself is if it is something like this chunk of time, right, these three months, this six months, this even just one month, whatever it is, is going to be really busy. And then let's revisit, you know, re-escalating things after that or spending more time together after that is to give yourself a little bit more time after that 
Because what I found is that so often you're doing this same thing with so many other areas of your life where you're putting stuff off until after this chunk is done. Like it might be I'm putting off cleaning my house or, you know, taking my dog to get groomed or whatever it is, right? Just give yourself a little buffer so that you're not setting up disappointment when that date hits and you're not instantly back at full energy. Like give yourself a little bit of recovery and kind of reintegrating time. The next category is time pressures. And that is if you are deciding to step back on the amount of time that you're spending together, to look at how you can focus on the quality of your time versus just the quantity of it. So that means things like, how can we make sure that the time we do spend together, like let's say it's less, let's say we're only going to see each other every other week or once a month for the next few months while I'm working on this thing or while I'm recovering from an injury or something like that, is to say, okay, when we do have that time together, let's really consciously make it free from distractions. Like let's agree to put our phones on do not disturb for those few hours that we're together, or let's not try to get stuff done together. Let's just focus on enjoying each other's company for a little while. Something like that. Look at, for the two of you, what does that mean, right? What would make that time together feel special and meaningful and not just, I'm kind of in the same mental state as I always am. I just happen to be with you around which is fine if you've got a lot of time together. But if you don't, this can really help increase that quality of it. Uh, and then also going for small chunks of time could be another option. So this could be, say we maybe we do only have that little bit of time to see each other once a month or something, but maybe there's other areas like talking on the phone while driving to work every day or um, sending each other voice memos or sending more selfies or video calls with each other, just something to kind of intentionally add little bits of communication that maybe you didn't need to do as much before because you saw each other a few times a week or whatever it was, is just being creative on either side, right? Being more dedicated time or maybe finding little smaller ways to stay connected. There are some things that you can experiment with as well for uh, relieving some of the financial pressure. A big part of this is to practice getting comfortable discussing money, frankly and honestly. Yes, it, this is a muscle that gets built up over time and that you have to maintain as well. Like it really is like a muscle. I find that if it's been a while, since I have very frankly discussed with a partner, for instance, how much is in my savings account or how much money I've made this year, it becomes harder to share that stuff again because I think our very American conditioning is quite strong about money being this extremely private thing. And I, I mean, oh God, I, I think if your partner is like pressuring you to like tell them all this information, like you don't have to succumb to that pressure. But I mean, when you're collaborating with someone, and you're in a situation where you really do need to figure out how to make a relationship more financially sustainable, you have to be comfortable discussing money, frankly. And not in like weird euphemisms or suggestions. It's so funny because money also like sex is this area where there's a lot of shame and vulnerability. And so it's mm. also subject to yeah. these like 
I can't actually say this anatomical word or say this sex act out loud. So I'm just going to kind of like talk around what I might like because it feels a little too embarrassing. And I think the same thing happens with money. So just build up that muscle, take a deep breath. Hopefully the person that you're with is also a, a safe person to discuss these things with and just discuss it, frankly. Collaborate together on what a reduced budget might look like for your dates or for your time together. And this could look many different ways. It could be, hey, actually, I, I can't really afford for us to be doing these weekend trips all the time. Like this maybe needs to be one weekend trip a year max and the rest of our time needs to be more at-home dates or less expensive dates, something like that. If you go check out our episode 421, that was our infladating episode. We covered a lot of ideas, a lot of creative ideas for low-cost time together. And it's funny that this is coming up now because Jace and I, I think we've mentioned this on the show before, we have this vintage copy of Emily Post, like your grandmother's copy it's of Emily Post from, from the mm-hmm. 30s, from like the late 20s yeah. or early 30s that we read to each other sometimes. For those of you who don't know, Emily Post was a writer from the turn of the century who wrote a lot about manners and etiquette and how to do a perfect place setting on your dining room table and all these things. And mostly it's just, it's really, really fascinating and sometimes hilarious reading and a really interesting window into what it might be like to be in high society in the 20s and what might be expected of you. But Uh we just read this section. I forget what the actual title of the section was, but essentially the question that was being posed was like, can a broke boy take a rich girl out? Something like that. Like, can a can a man who doesn't make a ton of money take out a woman who is use like comes from a family with money and is used to a certain level of expense? Honestly, when she's when she's going out. First of all, I love that Emily Post's response to this is she's just like so flabbergasted that we still expect men to pay for everything because women are equals now here in, wow, in the thirties. Yes, wow. yes, like women are <laughs> yeah. equals. It should be totally nice. okay for a woman to pick up the check or to treat someone and it shouldn't be a big embarrassment to the man. So she goes off on that, which is, which is you know, progressive for her time. But, but she shared this story where she said that, like, if two people are dating and the man comes to his lady and is like, by Jove, I've saved a dollar and 83 cents. We can have a party. And Emily Post is saying she should be as excited as if he told her that he's saved a hundred dollars for their date, that she should be like, oh, wonderful, we can go out to have luncheon at the cafeteria and then we can go see a film because I guess you could get that for $1.83 in the early 30s. But the whole point being that she was saying, even if she herself is used to a certain level of expense or prefers a certain level of fanciness on her dates, she essentially should take her partner's bid is how I'm reading it. That's nice. I, I read it more as like, she'll be excited because she's doing it with you, mm, not because the thing's that's expensive, right? right? That too, that. that too. Yeah. And so I really liked that. Like, I know it can be disappointing if you need to downgrade your budget for anything, whether that's just for yourself or if it's for your time together. But I think if you bring the right attitude toward it of just trying to be more creative and still leaning into the fact that it's time together and it's really about how do we create a good quality fun time together regardless of how much money is spent i think that's the important piece in terms of having other obligations or commitments it can be cool to experiment with that intentionality of setting aside some time for each other 
And that can look like a five-minute phone call before bed each night or making a set date night, even if that is once a month. Sometimes adding it to a calendar instead of seeing when you can squeeze it in at the end of the busy week can really help. That's that intentionality that we're talking about, doing it ahead of schedule, ahead of like, oh shit, I haven't seen this person for the week and I'm supposed to call them. Let me do that right now when I think about it last minute. If you are in a situation where, for instance, you have kids and you need to be able to have them taken care of on a certain day, maybe you can discuss with loved ones or find services that will help you reduce or change caregiving obligations or even schedule a different time to have the kids go somewhere else for an evening while you're able to go out on a date with your loved one. Look for, you know, outside ways of helping you in a scenarios such as that. You can also get an outside perspective from a friend or a professional to help you really take inventory of all of your ongoing obligations and commitments to see if any of them can be changed or if any of them can be shifted or dropped in order to free up capacity for the relationship. That's one that I really had to come to terms with over a period of time, figuring out, you know, do I really need to do all of these things? Why am I wanting to do all these things? What is it internally about me that causes me to feel like I'm less worthy if I'm not filling my schedule with a bunch of shit? And so questioning stuff like that and, you know, maybe an outside professional or even a friend, someone else can can help you with those questions and maybe make you realize, yeah, I don't necessarily need to be filling my day to the absolute brim. And if I don't, then I'll have more time for things that really matter to me. And if your relationship is finding challenges because of health issues, health challenges, like we mentioned before, the first thing to do is to just be frank and be clear about your limitations and your expectations. And this can be hard if you don't want this to change, if you don't want any of these limitations or reduced expectations to happen. But being honest and being clear and having that conversation is really important. And in that, be flexible. Adjust your expectations of what's on the plate, we'll say, for each day based on how you're feeling or how your partner's feeling, depending on, on what's going on there. But just, you know, if they have a certain amount of spoons or if they're feeling higher or lower energy that day, or if you are, just being flexible and realizing that kind of like Emily Post said, with the, you know, the the high society woman being happy to go on a cheap date with the guy because she likes being with him. Remembering that too, that like part of what can make your relationship special is being creative and flexible. And no matter what kind of time we're gonna spend together, it can be nice, right? That we can find ways to make that rewarding and to feel good for each other. And then to seek community support and education. So whether that's formal support groups or it's online groups or educational resources like books or podcasts or maybe specific resources that are directed toward partners of people with chronic illness or disabilities or mental health issues. You know, there's lots of books or podcasts or things like that out there. Whatever resources seem like they would fit the best for you, go seek those out. Like they really do help and can make a big difference. So what underlies all of this is collaboration. 
even if the solution is a very intentional de-escalation or taking a break, collaborate. Do everything you can in your power to make it so that this is something that the two of us are coming to together. We're getting creative together. We're brainstorming together the ways that may help our relationship just be better, even in the midst of a very demanding life. However, know that the other person just may not be on board with collaborating. They may not be on board with making any changes to the relationship, so they may not be interested in working together on a team or being flexible. And that's okay. You know, someone may realize they're like, no, like if I'm going to be in this relationship, I want this particular amount of time. I want this particular amount of commitment. And that's okay. And unfortunately, it may mean that the relationship can't continue, but at least they're being clear with you about that. So like you can't force someone to be on board with making these changes. If you're on the opposite side of this, if you have a partner coming to you saying they don't have the time, they don't have the capacity, they need to reduce time together because of this, know that you probably cannot convince someone that they actually have more time or energy or capacity or money than they're telling you or than they think that they do. They might, because you're an outside perspective, you may it may be patently obvious to you, like, well, if you stopped spending all your money on video games or if you stop spending all your money on going out to restaurants or whatever, then we'd have money for nice dates or for going away or whatever. It may be so obvious to you, but it's unlikely that you're going to be the one to be able to deliver that message to this person, especially if they're not coming to you in a spirit of, hey, let's figure this out together. This is stuff that someone may need to realize on their own, if it's true that from your perspective, no, they have tons of time or they have tons of capacity. They just don't want to give it to me. They're going to have to realize that on their own if that's the thing that they think is holding them back from the relationship. And again, all of this is okay. You know, making changes to a relationship is hard. Change in general is hard. You can't force the other person to be okay with making changes. So just bear that in mind. Collaborate. Try to collaborate as much as you can. And also, if the person's not on board with collaborating, that's okay. There may need to be a different solution to this. Folks, We want to hear from you this week on our Instagram stories. We want to hear, have you had certain life demands get in the way of a relationship? We want to hear your examples. Also, the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners about this episode is in our episode discussion channel in our Discord server, or you can also post about it in our private Facebook group. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Multiamory is created and produced by Jace Lindgren, Emily Matlack, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our production assistants are Rachel Shenowork and Carson Collins. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.